brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, everyone. My name is Mike Vaughn. Uh, welcome to a new Rotten Cinema, uh, where we talk fun, bad movies, um, sometimes good movies, whatever we want to talk about. Um, and uh, as I said, I am your host, Mike Vaughn. Uh, I'm a writer for Geek Vibes Nation, and I'm also the author of The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. I also have a guest uh, somewhere. Hello. <laughs> I am Andre, and I'm also a writer for Geek Vibes Nation. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited because uh when you y'all are seeing this, it will be Friday the thirteenth. Uh I hope y'all are having some um awesome like marathons. But um we're gonna be talking about two uh entries in the franchise that I feel like are maybe not great, but kind of interesting. Um Friday not great at all. No. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Although one of them, one of those is arguable. All right, we're starting hot here. Uh, we're we're talking about Friday the Thirteenth, um, two thousand nine, and also um, Freddy versus Jason. Um, I, I, I kind of want to guess. Okay, I want to guess. I think you, you could maybe justify the remake. Is that right? You know, uh, on paper, yes. In practice, no. Okay. Like, there's a lot of things that I enjoy about a movie that misses its mark. Um, the the main problem with that 2009 remake is the translation of what was originally intended to be written and what we actually got, like from the studios, mm, okay. which has always been a problem. So, uh, this um, time it just didn't didn't work for me um yeah so it it was interesting because when we kind of were kicking around ideas um for what to talk about i was kind of intrigued because it has been a while since i watched either one of these and i thought it would be kind of fun to just like um tackle it with like fresh eyes just like uh, you know, I know both films get equal amount of shit and also like a lot of um love. Like I, I think in particular the remake has gotten a lot of like almost like a huge cult following now. Um mm-hmm. I mean it was like it was definitely shat upon when it first came out, but there's a lot of people that are pretty big stands of it right now. Um Freddy versus Jason is the 2003 film which uh, I think everybody kind of knows this, but it was in development hell for like literally decades. Um, it's the best they, name for that too, because that's where um, that's where <laughs> Jason is the whole time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, rewatching it, I will say my opinion hasn't changed. It is like a shit movie, but I want to give it a few props. Um, not a lot, but 
I will concede that it is a really stylish looking movie. Like the atmosphere is way better than I remember it being. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that. I, I mean, bar none, the best scenes are definitely Freddie and Jason when they're like fighting. Like those are like the set pieces of the films i mean of the film obviously but like i the i think the biggest problem i have is like i didn't give a shit about anybody else why would you care about anyone else when the movie is literally called freddy versus jason yeah like <laughs> uh it doesn't matter who else is in it unless there's like um a creighton duke type character from uh <laughs> jason goes to hell um, which I will come back to because um, there's there's a problem there that I have with this movie in terms of um, the continuity that comes before. Um, and the fact that there's no humans or like relatable non-serial killer characters of any consequence is kind of like the biggest pitfall of it. Not to say that most of the um friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street movies um didn't work when there wasn't one but because they've upped the stakes uh there, there kind of needs to be some sort of balancing like some some kind of like tool of balancing for for these two juggernauts of the 80s um and they kind of try to work that in to the plot later on uh, but it just doesn't quite work in that way. So the end result is just like the audience just saying like, fuck everyone else. I just want to see them fight. Um, yeah. This is like, uh, forget Batman versus Superman. Like this is the best um, versus movie of like pop culture icons on the screen. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is this really reminds me, reminded me of like the really old school, like, uh i think universal was kind of like the first ones to do this like share connected universe mm-hmm. with their universal monsters and this definitely kind of reminded me of like frankenstein meets the wolfman because mm-hmm. that movie has its charm i i will say but like it really just isn't great until you have that meetup um yeah and ev- like like it's definitely the case where you you're writing it around that kind of team up instead of like doing it the other way around of like having a great story and then putting them in to that and and making yeah. it kind of I think part of that is the naming convention because you're naming it like you're already telling people that the lead up to this point doesn't entirely matter unless you figure out a way to do that like everyone's going to notice the scaffolding right before, like that leads up to it. And they do some, they just, it, it, it's frustrating because they like saddle themselves with some really dumb stuff in this, like Freddie or I'm sorry, Jason is afraid of water, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't, that's not content that, that breaks continuity in many, many ways. And like, uh, anyone who's seen more than one Friday the 13th movie knows um, that 
he's not afraid of water <laughs> yeah and, and they they break their own continuity in the movie because they see him like in the water like a ton so i'm yeah. like he's practically amphibious right so like you're you're not even sticking to your own internal logic like um he's <laughs> he's, he's um, the guardian of the lake yeah i mean like the literally the first time we see him is like jumping out of crystal lake so mm-hmm. i don't know but but like that's like stuff that the writers put upon themselves which i don't understand like i don't i'm not somebody that because like l- let's be real like friday the 13th like the timeline and like the canon and stuff is all screwed up it's like so oh, hard yeah. to, no it's to, totally fucked up yeah like so i'm fine with like them kind of doing like a soft reboot and like you know taking the archetype of jason and then maybe making their own kind of rules but if you're gonna make your own rules at least follow it within your own movie like you know what it feels like and let me know what you think but like it almost felt like part of that was from like an early draft that just got carried over and like some of it like some early drafts got kind of stitched together where oh yeah i'm like i don't know the exact intricate history of uh this movie's conception and i'm sure it's had like numerous numerous rewrites uh that some part of this just was never uh attended to or someone just kind of wrote a throwaway thing about like oh jason's afraid of water and freddy's afraid of fire uh but the method of which that they were uh you know killed or had died in does doesn't necessarily equate to like a fear of such element but I'm totally fine with it being that reductive because this is this is a really stupid movie, uh, and I don't know. It, for some reason, that 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 like fire versus water, red versus blue element just kind of like makes it a little bit more fun in its unhinged, yeah, nature. Um, that being said, though the the scene where uh, Freddie and Jason are fighting in like the boiler room where it's like, he has the red gels when Freddie's in control. Yeah. Um, when it switches to blue, um, it's like the closest thing we've ever gotten to like an Argento esque, uh, like hmm. gel switch with um, this really cool set direction of uh, Freddie's like hell boiler room, which is essentially like, the environment that Freddie died in, um, which is interesting because you would think that's what uh, his more psychological weakness would be um, to be in the environment where he was killed by those parents uh, rather than Jason just being utterly afraid of like a tiny waterfall that just like (laughs) uh, spills in front of him that his machete can't cut through even though it's the machete's technically not part of his body uh but i digress from that um it, it's just interesting how they they use those uh i 
don't want to use the term color theory here because I don't want to attribute it to a movie like this. Uh, but um, it, there's something interesting there that I think they the the writers and the filmmaker Ronnie Yu just didn't fully unpack or realize the the potential of. Um, probably because like he knew he was making a popcorn movie, everyone knew. Um, and they just want to get this motherfucker out. Cause like, how long yeah. was it? Has it been since they uh, they announced a um, Freddy versus Jason movie? It was like early '90s, or um, it was Maybe. like right after. Yeah, I mean, uh, it might have even been in Jason the '80s to hell. that this was. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I was looking uh, at the cinematographer because, again, you know the the way this is shot and the production design, it is really top notch and. The guy that yeah, was some really nice shots. Yeah. Fred Murphy apparently was a cinematographer, but he's worked on stuff like Trumbo. Um, he's done a lot of television lately. Um, he did uh, Secret Window, which wasn't very good, but was I think I feel like that was good looking. Um, Stir, yeah. of, uh, Stir of Echoes. Um, people love that movie. I do not. Um but anyways, um, yeah, um, the one thing that's also really disappointing and um, so um, originally um, Betsy Palmer was going to reprise her role for the flashbacks. Um, are they fl- I mean, are they technically flashbacks? They're like his. Um, they're kind of like flash ins. Yeah, like they're like, like his. He's mental... visited by, by the visage visage. Um, he's visited by the visage of his mom. They did a great job of casting, but it's Paula Shaw who, um, okay. played her in this. Watching this, uh, it really looks like her for for sure. Um, but she wanted, like, she was talking about like, you know, the the pay disparity you know, between men and women. And like, she wanted, I think as much as what, you know, some of the other male stars wanted and they wouldn't uh, acquiesce. So they just recast. And I think that's kind of a shame. Um, Like Betsy Palmer is one of the nicest people uh, I think I've ever Mm -hmm. met. Like of all the celebrities that I've met, the two that stand out as like being the nicest well, there's there's a couple, but there's a few standouts like Tara Reed. What you say now, right? <laughs> they might be watching. I doubt it. Um, but no, Tara Reed was <laughs> was like so nice. Like she like took her time with fans. She was like, um, even I feel like even if you talked about like Tara Dice, she was cool with talking about it. Like she was just so sweet. Um. She got like you can like you can tell when people kind of don't want to be there, and then you can tell where where people are really engaging with their fans. I know this is a a big digress, but I mean, some people might like this story. But yeah, Tara Reid was awesome. She was so nice. Like I got to talk to her a little bit about um, playing Bunny and uh, what um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was like. But yeah, her and, and Betsy Palmer were like. B- b- like bar none just the nicest people but um yeah back to this movie um 
I will say, you know what? I will give this movie. Um, maybe it's giving it a little bit too much credit, but I do like how. Um, and you know, Ronnie, you also directed Bride of Chucky, and this very much kind of has that same um sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it is yeah. very tongue in cheek. Um, it's almost a cartoon at times. Um, yeah, which um I feel is a little bit. It's weird because in Bride of Chucky, it worked perfectly. Bride of Chucky is honestly one of my favorite Child's Play sequels um, after two. But in a way, if you're comparing Bride of Chucky and Freddy versus Jason in terms of like how wackadoodle they get, Bride of Chucky, I think, theoretically is more goofy but it seemed like, but when you're watching it, like you already have the suspension of disbelief that came from uh, the child's play films that came before it. And you have already accepted like this existence of like a killer doll moving, walking, talking, killing, swearing and whatnot. But when you put it into uh, a franchise such as, Friday the 13th, which has its own specialized brand of wacky and campy. Um, But also um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a a little bit more grounded in terms of tone, except for some of the sequels that followed. Um, It seems like it feels much goofier than Bride of Chucky in a weird way it's it's almost like one of those optical illusions where like you're looking around the image and it looks like the lines are moving but nothing's moving um so it seems like one is wackier than the other when you're not paying attention to the other film i would say that freddy versus jason should have gone a little bit more unhinged in that sense like let's make it more comic booky because that was what Ronnie, Ronnie was going for. It was like he wanted to make it look kind of like those mashup graphic novels. Like um, a lot of people might be familiar with like there was the Freddy versus Jason comics. And then I think Boom Studios did a Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of those things. And like other pop culture characters jump in from time to time. Um and I think if we just went for it, like this could have been like its own little like spinoff thing where um, and that might have been what he was trying to do with this. But because it seemed so connected to the film franchises that came before um, for each perspective, like film killer, uh, we kind of attached that continuity to them and that's when we start like spotting the errors and and the mistakes. And then that's where we come up with like the shortcomings and why this didn't work, why that didn't work. So I think it just didn't fully go off the rails enough. Um, That being said, it's fucking goofy as hell. And it's (laughs) definitely worth like, you know, a good watch. Yeah. Like, so two points, I completely agree. I definitely think that, especially it being like an Elm Street movie where you can literally do anything you want. It's a dream. Like mm-hmm. you 
like nothing is too i mean i guess you're just limited by budget but like um you could literally do anything um so uh i will say the the smoking caterpillar or whatever that thing was was like maybe the best scene ever yeah you know what um the the freddy caterpillar yeah um i guess <laughs> they were trying to do a, a play on alice in wonderland there um <laughs> honestly it would have worked as its own like fucked up thing uh without it being the literary reference it was trying to make yeah. but um yeah uh the thing is there there's a and this might have just been the trends at the time um there are these moments in these early 2000s and late 2000s as we'll get into it uh horror movies where weed humor it is like kind of just like insufferably one note like you you're just making the same joke over and over in different forms. And like, I think I would take out every weed joke in the movie, except for that, yeah. like the, the Freddy Caterpillar thing. And like, it, it's gotta be hilarious for someone who's just discovered weed for the first time <laughs> in their life, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it really just gets old fast especially when a lot of states in the U.S. have legalized it. People have just kind of gotten over the novelty of it, of yeah. it all. Um, so I don't know if that's unpopular or not, but uh, it just doesn't hold a lot of water for me. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing I will say is absolute fire about that movie, though, is like showing a little bit more of like human freddy um doing a little bit of like a like mini i mean i mean it's almost like a mini film of like um like his origin story which maybe some people don't like i actually would like kind of love to see an entire prequel film like i think that could be really interesting um i feel so... like they, there was a little bit of that uh in the first episode of and this is it's not as a deep a cut as it is anymore because they're streaming now. Um, the Freddy's Nightmares TV show, oh. the first one directed by Toby Hooper, was oh, wow. like the court proceeding of um, Freddy Krueger, and then like after like court exit session, all the parents just kind of like gang up and carpool and then follow him back to his house because <laughs> they all know where he lives. And like just throw Molotov cocktails and torches and shit in his it, boiler room. Yeah, and it's nice that they carpooled because that's very environmentally sound, mm -hmm. right? Like, well, they had to get the fuel for the Molotov cocktails somewhere. So, like, they had, some of them had to leave their cars at the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, wouldn't it be funny if that was like a night court mashup? Also, you know, um, I would like to see that. <laughs> hey i mean like night court's back yeah so they could do it they could do it and um uh robert england is i think he's he said he's he's not divorced or retired from the character in any way so mm, like okay we, we could do it um i i will say one thing i don't see robert england really like committing fully to like freddie makeup anymore like 
I, I have to imagine how grueling that is like for anybody of any age. And I'm not like being ageist or anything. It's like, yeah. I mean, uh, like after a certain point, you know, you kind of feel like Murtaugh from lethal weapon, you know, like I'm too old for this shit, but <laughs> yeah. it's not like you're too old because you're now elderly. It's because like, I, I got better things to do in my time. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless like he... they have like a new way they can just like, just do a latex mask or something. I don't know. So I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, but like when I was doing like back in, Oh gosh. Uh, let me get my cane out here. Uh, back. Um, maybe it was like mid two thousands when I first started doing conventions. Um, somebody told me that Robert England got $10,000 for a weekend just to, to be there. And that didn't count like what he was making from like actual like signatures and hmm. like pictures and stuff like, like for a week. in Freddie makeup or just him. Just, just yeah, him. just as him. Yeah. Like so. A pretty sweet I, deal. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is like not only is he probably cashing some like sweet residuals, but like, you know, you do maybe like two conventions a year and you would be like. Yeah, I mean, you'd be sad. Um, but um, yeah, so I mean, but but yeah, I really think like I think like de-aging stuff's getting better. I think you could you could easily get him like back to do it physically, but maybe like de-age him a little bit. Um, maybe I, I'm still very like on the other side of the fence with that kind of shit. Um, yeah, but it's getting better, though. Like, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be something in the digital effects realm, that's going to look slightly atrocious, even just a few years from now. Like we're going to notice something like, Oh, we did not think about that. Fuck. (laughs) Like I, I'm like the biggest rogue one Stan, uh, like ever, but you're alone. Sorry. Oh, you don't like (laughs) that. You were alone. No, I fell asleep. What? Yes. So I guess you haven't seen Andor then. No, not yet. It's on my so, list. I'm gonna do it, but okay, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. But anyways, like, um, I hate seeing Tarkin in that because it just yeah, that, doesn't look this... like. Yeah, it's a no go for me. But I still love that movie. But it just takes me out of it. But anyways, um, like I like I said, uh, just getting back to, um. Freddy versus Jason. I do love that <laughs> um, opening. Like, I think that sets a really nice tone. Um, again, I really wish I could have gotten more of that. Like, I just want a whole entire prequel or just give me a series. Everything's a series now. Damn it. I want. Yeah, it. I don't know. I mean, honestly, this is the one movie that I would uh, go to bat for like a three and a half hour version of. Mm, like, okay. give me more of like like them two having spats using kids as like fodder to get them, you know, baiting him, mm. uh, whatnot. Like, especially with the, the early scene where you see Jason in hell, pretty much where he thinks he's just doing what he normally does in the Friday, the 13th movies where he's just killing teenagers and he sees his mom. And then she says, go over here and kill those kids. And he does that. And then she's like, good job. Now go over here and kill those kids. But it's really just like Freddy fucking with him. Just yeah. kind of keeping him up to like this Sisyphean task, which 
Mm, um, okay. I would have liked to have seen some sort of lead up to because like I want to see the moment with that where they meet in hell and Freddy realizes he can take advantage of him. It, it would be like one of the perfect moments for a um, a monologue for Freddy to just like press that against the this manic identity of Freddy Krueger and kind of get to know a little bit more about his like sadistic inspiration, especially yeah. for the kids that he terrorizes in the Nightmare on Elm Street films. He comes up with like wonderfully horrific uh, ways to terrorize and kill these kids. Um, sometimes it's just like a quick and dirty. My mind goes to uh, the Dream Warriors where uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor is on TV and then like, <laughs> is it the Dick Cabot show or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's like... This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome the prime time, bitch. It, it's the equivalent of a quickie for Freddy, uh, but there's like the other slow burn ones, like uh, I think it's four or five where uh, one of the one of the girls is like turned into a cockroach and he like traps her in this box You can check in but you can't check out I think that shows the range of like how like there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the mind of Freddy. And I think like some sort of monologue that exposes a little bit of that, especially from killer to killer would have been really interesting to see, uh, especially as like the first moment we could have gotten like a, uh, a very lightly uh, homoerotic subplot going too. Mm, okay. Especially um... between Freddy versus Jason. You got a Dom and a subtype. Um, you can go a little <laughs> yeah. further than you did in a uh, Nightmare on M Street Two. Yeah, so. uh, you would have to have Robert Shea back in leather, um, like that. That's gotta oh, be. Yeah. The, it's gotta be one of the greatest cameos. Like it's definitely up there in like the the most unexpected, amazing cameos in horror movies. Dude, Bob Shea did a lot of really interesting stuff for his movies like what do you think of the makeup like what do you think of like the freddy makeup in this one it's fine i'm not super eagle-eyed when it comes to like uh makeup differences for the um nightmare on elm street movies per se um i don't know it, it looks good enough for for me to believe that it's freddy i mean um i i don't expect that uh each movie has like the same exact look for Freddy because because it is like nightmare logic. He can technically change his appearance whenever he wants. So he doesn't even have to have the the burned look to him. Yeah. Um, I had to I, and I had to say that like I really think like especially um some of like the like the uh scenes um where it's like not to flashback, but like the flash in or whatever, like with like like close ups of his makeup is like really well done. Like I know this movie rightly kind of gets bagged on for a lot of stuff, but I, I do think that there are some really interesting or or like at least from a technical standpoint, like well done stuff. Um, again, cinematography is great. I think the production design is really top notch. 
the acting is okay. I mean, the acting's never great in these. Um, I really like Zach Ward. Uh, in mm-hmm. like five seconds of this movie, that's also fucking bonkers. Um, but um, yeah, yeah it's Zach that? Ward, and this is like almost kind of like a blink and you miss it, but more specifically, a blink and you'll miss why he's in this because <laughs> like it just goes from a photo but like he's the deceased father yeah character um i do not remember any of these characters names to be honest like nope. no 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 you would need to to come up with a list uh beforehand uh funnily enough we, we were talking a little bit about red letter media before um before recording a couple of the guys we're talking about the Friday the 13th movies and they could not remember even after they had just looked at the names, <laughs> uh, uh, nice. what the names of these kids were. Yeah. Now one of the interesting things I, so just so y'all don't think that I'm, I'm completely unprepared for these things. I did do some homework and um, I found some pretty reputable sources that say, now, I mean, take this for what it is. It probably didn't get past like the pitch phase, but like Rob Zombie was uh, at one point attached mm. to this movie. But again, I feel like he's been attached to like everything. Like you name a horror movie, yeah. he was maybe going to be directing it. Um, I mean, for the amount of time that this movie has been floating around <laughs> studios, yeah. been like, it's going to get made. It's going to get made. Uh, we got a script. We got a script. Um, so many people have probably been attached to this at some point, um, maybe for like a glamorous 24 hours and then longer from there. Who who would be your like if you could pick anybody to direct this film, like who would it be? Assuming it would have been in this, the same year, say like 2003, you know, maybe even like James Wan to be honest. Yeah. But with with the caveat of having uh, Lee Wan-El um, help him just like develop the script or maybe be a producer or co-director in, in some capacity. Because I feel like them two are a pretty good team, at least for the early 2000s. Okay, yeah, that's, I mean, I it's funny because I never really considered that, but like, I, I definitely think he would be a really interesting choice especially since he really seems to kind of tap into like the core of horror, like what audiences really want to see. Like, yeah, um, that's, that's, that's the whole point of the Friday, the 13th series from part two on, uh, it was a lot of, uh, and I say this in the best, most loving way, uh, (laughs) copy paste formulas, you know, of like this, this Reaganist attitude of, what gets you killed? What makes you deserve to die? I kind of have a toss up. So um, one of these directors, and I'll let you guess, but one of these directors actually was attached and does have a um, connection with the, with one of the franchises. So my choices would be Peter Jackson um, or Darren Aronofsky. Hmm. Who, do you, who do you think had a prior connection with the series? Um, oh, with which series? The Friday the 13th? With, or, um... uh, the, the Elm Street series. Didn't actually end up doing a project, but actually ended up like doing like a script for an Elm Street movie. Okay, so yes. writing a script? 
Yeah, like they didn't use it, but um, like he got pretty far into production I mean, apparently. At this point, like my my most educated guess would be Peter Jackson because yep. Aronofsky, uh, early two thousands, he was kind of fresh off of um, Requiem. Yeah, um, it's hard to imagine a studio screening of Requiem for for a dream. The guy's like, <laughs> that was great. We should get him for Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> or <Yeah. laughs> um, um, Freddy versus Jason. Like we yeah, found so, her director. So. Um, <laughs> Peter Jackson actually wrote an unused draft of Elm Street 6 um, from what people were able to parse was actually, of course, pretty interesting. But yeah, I just think I think like Peter Jackson could definitely tap into that like really weird, grimy, like I'm thinking like his old school stuff. Heavenly uh, Creatures is basically like an Elm Street film because it's so fantastical and dreamlike and like dream logic e, you know? Yeah, no, I, I could see that. Maybe that mixed with a little bit of goofiness of like the Frighteners. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but not exactly. Too much so. Or like Frighteners um, is kind of Scooby Doo like, but you there's something um, that you could take from that uh, that would work in a mashup like this and. Friday the 13th is already Scooby-Doo like enough. Yeah. Um, the only thing it doesn't make it so is uh, that there's no mystery that anyone, anyone's solving. It's just like the legend of Jason. And I think like Aronofsky, I know that sounds like such a weird choice, but like, again, he does sort of like dabble in like the, like, especially his early stuff. Like I'm thinking like pie and Requiem from a dream. Like that is very like, cerebral but very dreamlike very like strange but i think he could like he wouldn't be able to bring the humor to it but i think he could probably bring bring a really interesting kind of spin on maybe the mythos and the characters and like bringing it back to i don't know maybe a little bit more basics um I would be I mean, interested in a, a script from Aronofsky, maybe not necessarily direction in in those ooh, terms. Okay. Because uh, so like, like a director yeah. can include or ignore different elements from, from a script. Uh, it's not necessarily the script writer or screenwriter who can um, have like final word on it. So maybe like from a story by Aronofsky and then like, like written by peter jackson and directed i could see that working mm -hmm. but um we got the movie that we got it's fine it's not actually that great but uh <laughs> I, listen yeah. i i i still didn't like it and there i mean i <laughs> i think the characters are absolutely abysmal besides um freddie and jason but like i didn't like have a miserable time watching it it's good trashy fun it's popcorn fodder for sure. And, you know, I appreciate how committed this movie is to its new metal soundtrack. <laughs> That's something that we haven't mentioned yet is the the really nicely inspired new metal soundtrack. I mean, um, the credits roll to an original song by Kill Switch Engage. When was the last time you heard of a Kill Switch Engage song? For me, it was the last time I rewatched this movie. <laughs> um, but I, I'm reminding myself that 
the first time I saw this was, I think around uh, 2003 or four, honestly, um, pretty fresh. And the second time I saw it was a few days ago. <laughs> so, and I felt exactly the same as I did when I saw it for the first time. And it was, I didn't put any stake in it. So I didn't feel very disappointed or whatever. I just had a good fun ride. And that's, that's all I kind of was looking for in it. Yeah. Um, like it, it, it definitely like definitely bang on with that. Like it, it definitely feels like it delivers on what it promises. They do duke it out. Uh, it is pretty fun. Um, I mean, the story is what it is. And especially if you're just like, so confession, I haven't seen the alien versus predator movies, but I, I, I gather there are a lot like this where like the action's fine, but the rest of it's just kind of serviceable to. They're, get... they're far more boring than this movie. Oh, but that that's, that's the thing that I like about this is that like, you don't give a shit. <laughs> this this movie is entertaining in almost every sequence um because in the beginning you just want to you want it to get to that point where you see freddie and jason and then when you see one of them you're like all right then the other guys around the corner something's mm-hmm. gonna happen or we're just gonna get some kill scenes with jason this time or with freddie this time or um like the the buildup between those like climactic scenes is not very long. The pacing is actually done very well. There's not like a lot of time wasted just like milling around and not doing anything. There's always something going on. Like, you know, as as someone who worked on The Phantom Menace said, there's always so much going on in every frame. <laughs> um, maybe not to the extent of episode one, but uh, there's something that's going to kind of just like entertain you or mesmerize you for a little bit until we move on to the next thing and i would definitely say like just for like final thoughts on it um i'm not sure if there's anything that i i can add that we didn't really talk about i think that it just definitely is kind of like a as you said serviceable pretty much like what you want from a movie i i it's still frustrating because I feel like there's, there still is some interesting ideas in there that they don't really take advantage of. Um, and again, they kind of saddle themselves with like plot holes that they write themselves into. But I mean, yeah, it's by far not like the worst, um, like sequel, uh, in either franchise really. So, um, before we get to um, Friday the 13th, um, 2019, what is your favorite Friday the 13th sequel and which is your least favorite? This answer changes all the time. Uh, this is one of those like, what what mood am I in today mm. kind of thing. Um, it's So for the longest time, it's been part six uh, as my most favorite. And it is the most multifaceted sequel because it's not only is it Jason or he's this killer who is then an extension of his mother as the killer um, in terms of her protecting her son, but it's also 
like a monster movie about an undead revenant that comes back to life <laughs> to enact the vengeance that he thinks he's supposed to enforce against these kids that really works uh in a lot of ways but i think right now my favorite sequel uh is and this is specifically the extended or director's cut of jason goes to hell Mm, okay um because we have someone uh like creighton duke who's a (laughs) hunter of monsters in a way he's studied jason he knows he knows his entire story just like everyone who's watched the movies all the way up until this point. So we finally get someone who's caught on to it and is starting to use that knowledge to get the better of him. The thing in um, Jason Goes to Hell that really makes it my favorite, the inclusion of the cabin from Evil Dead. Yeah. And the Necronomicon which has been written in to that film uh, where Pamela Voorhees was using the book to then influence her son and raise him from the dead should he ever perish. So he's essentially a servant of like the Dark Ones, almost in the same similar vein. (laughs) And you could actually pair these two movies together in uh, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, where he's also oh, yeah. a servant to this dark force of the Cult of Thorn. But I'm just, I'm a sucker for like cults and like demonic forces and stuff like that. So uh, it's kind of an easy answer for me. <laughs> but right now it's um, part nine, Jason Goes to Hell, the director's cut. Okay. Um, I also like when Creighton Duke's like, he thinks of Jason as a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog or yeah, sticking a yeah. hot dog through a donut. Yep. That's so goddamn random. Line. Um, There's so many. I, I love all the scenes Creighton Duke in it. Like he's yeah. just, uh, he chooses yeah. the scenery so well. He definitely makes that movie. Um, So I, I kind of agree. agree with you. Like I, my answer varies, but you know, I really want to say that I know everybody loves part four and thinks that's the best and I'm not knocking it, but for me, part three is fucking great. Part three is really good. Um, Especially in 3d because Mm. it was shot that way. um, I was able to um, do a double feature sometime last year of Friday the 13th part three in 3d as well as uh, Silent Madness in 3D, which, by the way, has the same cinematographer, and they use the same 3D um, photographic method. Yeah, so I definitely think Friday the 13th Part 3 doesn't kind of get the love it it should. Like, I like the characters a lot. I like the kills. I think um, that disco uh, intro it's the best it is the best it really uh, is like we should put um, that up at the, at the end of this episode just so people can yeah. jam to it um okay so gerald fell i think is it sounds right um he also did savage dawn 
which I think was like a Red Dawn ripoff, maybe? Savage Dawn, the brutal tale of a disenchanted Vietnam hero who returns to America and faces a new kind of enemy. Sounds right. Um, yeah, he also did Silent uh, Madness in... 1984 and did um friday 13th part two in 82 and he also did he knows you're alone uh, in 1980 the same year as friday 13th the original yeah also um, um steve minor directed this one too right because he did two and three yes um which is interesting because a lot of people go to part two as the best sequel mm-hmm. and it's a really really strong sequel but yeah. to go from what two did for Jason, which is a big jump between the original Friday the 13th Jason, the overt comical nature of three, but like the tongue in cheek treatment of like the situation, the kids, their uh, happy go lucky summer retreat thing that goes wrong because they picked the wrong place to hang out. Um, intriguing about how steve miner's able to uh take those different tones and make them work so well enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. sign up using code champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with BetMGM at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever remember to use code champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's not necessarily different sides of the same coin for him to go from one sequel to the very next sequel and just make it feel it feels more fun than two. Uh, But two is still like very fun in terms of how it's like a bare bones, like stalker movie. I'm not sure if it's my favorite kill definitively in the series, but it has definitely one of my my favorite kills, which is like where he's like walking on his hands and then he's like. Yeah, I feel that every time. Oh, that's so good. Um, And I would say if I was picking my least favorite, I mean, I almost have to say like automatically Jason takes Manhattan is like Hmm. the the worst. Um, It's because it's so damn boring and it also is very misleading because it's like 
they had maybe like a a single day to shoot in New York, and then the rest is like Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like, it's basically like I've heard a lot of people call it like Love Boat Jason, or Jason takes the Love Boat because it's basically on a boat the entire time. Yeah, I I think um if it was framed a little bit differently, it would have gotten a different reception because the kill scene in part eight, like in the party room on the boat is great. Like when the, when the music goes, like the lights are going, Jason's there. And then like, no one can hear you when you scream. Uh, That is a great (laughs) sequence. Great kill. Um, Even though it's stupid. I love the, um, the kill in like some part of the bowels of the ship where the the rocker girl or whatever is like practicing oh, yeah. <laughs> with her with her amp in the bowels of the ship uh for some reason as you do you know uh and he just like kills her with a guitar and um you know it's it's dumb a lot of things don't work about that scene but uh you gotta you gotta do something interesting uh especially when you come up with a reason why anyone other than the crew would be there um but it's just another set dressing thing so i i still find it quite fun after my initial disappointment of how little of manhattan is taken by jason um <laughs> but i i realized also i didn't answer your the second part of your question which was my least favorite um sequel and um it's jason x mm. do you want to hear something wild i've never seen that you should do that and, okay. and like i i say it's my least favorite only by a thread honestly there's no friday the 13th movie i don't enjoy i love them all maybe not equally but um <laughs> kind of like your kids you know you, you yeah you like them but you definitely have a favorite <laughs> exactly and like that's that's a constant between all parents so um um <laughs> <laughs> uh, to say that it's my least favorite sequel is only really just admitting that um it doesn't feel fully like a friday the 13th movie uh there are parts of it that do and that's mainly because of the holodeck stuff that they you know steal the holodeck technology from the star trek movies and the tv shows to um simulate this environment that jason's more uh receptive to and like familiar with at least before he gets like uh the nanobots to like repair his body and give him a bitch a new mask which <laughs> i allow i i totally allow I'm, I'm down for it um but it's super fun uh it's probably dumber than any of the Friday the 13th sequels, dumber than Freddy versus Jason, and dumber than the 2009 remake. By the time you're listening to this, uh, will be Friday the 13th. I should um, just watch it. Um, I know Cronenberg is in it, and that intrigues me a lot. Um, I forgot about that. Oh, that's so <laughs> that's such a weird moment. It's like when Udo Kier pops up in like Dracula 3000 for like <laughs> 10 seconds. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking, I was like looking at like Steve Miner's filmography and I'm like, a lot of his He's stuff, like, like 
is really good like um he followed up um Friday the 13th part 3 with House which I I think like splits a lot of horror fans but I really like that a lot House is great dude George, George Wendt fucking William Cat those effects oh those effects um, are great and like I, I'm going to say right now like I I went to my local video rental store and I rented a copy of House on Blu-ray cuz I'd like to see it again so that's um, what I'm going to do with my weekends. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, he did Warlock. Now that is one I haven't seen. Uh, have you seen that? No, not yet. That's one of my 80s holes that okay. I haven't filled in yet. Like any of the Warlock movies I haven't seen yet. Um, That would be a perfect watch along. I feel like you and I should fill that hole together. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but... <laughs> <laughs> um anyways um but i'm like i'm just looking at like how diverse of like stuff that he's done uh i would love like like placid is another one that's fucking great that i think like people like to shit on but is a lot of fun but um i think i just want to throw in rogue there as well as like an awesome great yeah rogue is really fun i wish there was a blu-ray of it yeah i feel like we should just do an episode on like killer animal movies and just talk about rogue almost the entire time (laughs) um but um so let's pivot to friday the 13th 2009 so um my opening thought is and i think a lot of people kind of say this even people that don't really like it has to admit that the first like 25 minutes is almost like a fantastic short film. Like it's almost like its own kind of condensed, like uh, again, I don't like fan film makes it sound amateur, but like it's, it's just like almost it's like own condensed. I, I really like how they take the really messy continuity and they like ship shape it up and you know, they get the time right as far as like when he's a kid, when he's an adult, like um, they like yeah, really make a little more sense, um, yeah. mainly like... because they kind of go. So they take the first four films and they mm-hmm. kind of turn that into one movie, essentially. Well, I'm skipping a lot of the first one because we kind of just jump into when he's uh, fully grown, as you can see behind me. But yeah, that opening man is so good. It's like it's almost like again, it's 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 a, it's a, it's its own movie, but like it, um, almost acts as like a perfect homage to the series, like kind of condensing what it is. Like they even do a really cool homage of like the sleeping bag kill. But yeah, that's true. Um. um... They make it a little more sinister, honestly, because mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah. it's like it's um slow roasting of the fire, but it's not really just slow roasting because the the sleeping bag literally catches on fire because it's so close to the top of the the campfire Oof. tip. That is yeah, it was gnarly, horrific. Um, so, I yeah, feel like good kills, yeah. good kills in this one. Um. I was also like when I was taking notes for this, because I did believe it or not, as scatterbrained as I sound, but um those guys were definitely gonna be killed just from like finding like whoever's farm they were on with like the weed 
Like that's, I don't know how many thousands of dollars of weed, probably. I don't know weed prices, but like, that seems like a lot. Like that seems I mean, like cartel. Kind if of. this is in the relatively New Englandish area, like the original movies were, like New Jersey or whatnot, uh, this was this probably not a lot. But if this was set in like um, <laughs> Humboldt County or some shit in California, uh, then yeah, you'd probably be stumbling on t- onto like a half a million dollar operation or something. Yeah. But that being said. Humboldt County um, illegal marijuana growers had some extremely stringent security practices. So Jason actually would have been hunted down and killed uh, more effectively <laughs> than Creighton Duke would have been able to do if this was set in California. Just saying. Um, yeah, I was like, I was like thinking the whole time, like if Jason doesn't get you whatever like operation is, like growing all this stuff is definitely going to like cut your generals off. Uh, best ATF case scenario. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think um, outside of like the really good opening, I think it's just kind of an average movie. Like I thought the characters were kind of bland. It It's interesting because this, this, was directed by the director of the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And you can, you mm-hmm. really get that vibe. Um, but, but what did you think like overall of this movie? You know, um, this movie is intermittently just all over the fucking place. <laughs> um, but every once in a while it manages to entertain or at the very least, just make you just like perk up and just, try to process what is happening um and like there's a lot of good things and there's a lot of bad things and there's a lot of just things that i still haven't fully processed yet (laughs) like i've only seen this film twice now but i i know i'm gonna revisit it more the reasoning that they put behind um the progression of jason as was really well thought out and is extremely underplayed in this entire movie because we have to focus on the kids and like I'm kind of I was kind of sick of them because there's too many there's too many kids in this there's 13 and like I understand the significance of the number but Jesus Christ like you know cut that in half or something because then like if we have a smaller group of kids we can spend more time uh, on the other, like more mystical aspects of um, of Jason, and I know they didn't want to um, ruin the like the mystique of how Jason is, how he came to be. Uh, but we already got those, so everyone who's so anyone who's like seen at the very least parts one through four, um, they already know. There's no mystery. Um, but it's, it's the most like hodgepodgey of any of the Friday the 13th movies. There's a little blink and you miss it moment in the tunnels, which is a great way to introduce how he can get around, Mm. um, without even like being seen, like seeming to like teleport and pop up in just areas, um, where in 
in the tunnels you can uh, this might have been cut actually from the movie but they they wrote in something where um there was a wheelchair like an empty wheelchair and uh a, like an old ragged sweater and anyone who's seen parts two uh oh, parts one yeah. and two would know uh the sweater is his mother's and the, the wheelchair is the kid from part two that gets like fucking <laughs> thrown down a set of stairs just the fact that they they kind of gave the environment a lot more thought is really admirable but again like the the attitude of uh focusing on the adolescent drama and the inner the interplay between these kids um there's really nothing there uh like they're focusing too much on uh one far less interesting party of the film than than it could be um kind of instilling a sense of like mystery and dread for this like this poor uh figure of jason Voorhees that it just they didn't quite hit the the right balance i think yeah i mean again you know outside of like like the first i guess like 20-ish minutes like there's not a lot that I really remember from this only just that it kind of had that sort of like Texas chainsaw kind of like flair and kind of how it was filmed. Like there was some locals that gave me very much like Texas chainsaw like vibes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it was very repetitive. I didn't really like any of the characters. I'm trying to think who, like, what movie I, like, hated the characters more. Um, See, that's that's a more interesting question than um, which one is your least favorite sequel? Mm, <laughs> which yeah. which sequel were, did you hate the kids the most? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm um, I mean, like, at least in Freddy versus Jason, like. I mean, at least in like the Friday Thirteenth remake, like you didn't have like overt homophobia, like in Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Yeah. So it kind of right. Makes... No, I forgot to bring that up. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Like, I vaguely remember that, but then when I watched it, I was like, Ooh, "Wow." Yeah. There's <laughs> this one moment in particular that I that I remember, where the F word is used, and it's not that F word. So yeah, um, um, so I was like, "Oh, yikes!" I like her even less. Uh, I mean, her death is like comically like swift, but it's it's got one of the most entertaining and quickest to the point kills ever. And <laughs> yeah, I could watch that over and over again. Yeah, like on a loop. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely say I think I hate the kids in Freddy versus Jason more because I at least found some of the kids in the remake kind of tolerable. I mean, that's not saying much, like barely tolerable, but you definitely are happy when they die. But um, I mean, that's the thing that people forget, like in this like Friday 13th series, there are some really like likable characters. Like mm-hmm. they're not all just like 
it, it, it's interesting because like this is kind of my biggest problem with the Friday 13th remake like they kind of um like they distill everything into like this archetype of like all these teens are shitty and one-dimensional so you don't care if they die but like if they really were fans of the series like there's like some great characters from throughout the series that like oh yeah Shelly, for example, in part three is like a complex character that like you really kind of root for, but then dies, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'm i sure there's more hardcore fans out there that could like rattle off their favorite like characters, but Shelly was mine for sure, because I, I identify with him a lot when I when I was watching these movies and I decided to watch them as a teenager. It was very much saw myself in the in the plight of of his position again that's like what i think that like these directors kind of don't understand is like um you can make interesting like relatable characters i mean i guess like they tr like in the remake like you're supposed to like um was it um the eccles guy um jared padalecki was the other watch supernatural guy I know Eccles was like, or however you say it, is like the other one. Um, but like, I know okay. you're supposed to like him, uh, even though he's kind of like bland toast. Um, yeah. And I guess he's like, like his... eye candy or whatever. Yeah. Which I'm like, eh, it's wasted on me. And then <laughs> I, I guess like Whitney, like is the sister and you're supposed to like her, but like. Well, she doesn't do much. I mean, other than yeah. being kidnapped because she looked like his mom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they find that like locket or whatever. Yeah. In the house. Um, that looks what... like his mom did when yeah. she was her age or something. I will say like as as much as I'm like kind of crapping on this movie, like it is again really well shot and the production design is great. Like that whole sequence of like um his old house like it's great pretty That's great really cool um and another good thing i will say about it is um i like this uh, the, the jason in the 2009 film um derek mears he does a really good job and he had he had a really nice approach to to playing jason i mean i like how i do, i never felt like he was trying to copy kane hodder's jason mm -hmm. um like he definitely felt like he was kind of doing his own thing and yeah, it translated really well. Um, and I will say something controversial here. Um, okay. so <laughs> I think the jump scare in this film is better than the original when they're at the dock and you think like, Oh, they're safe. They're fine or whatever. And like he pops uh. out of the fucking dock um yeah you know um that uh conceptually i agree with you 100 percent um but in the way that like the shot was set up and framed in the original friday the 13th mm. um i much preferred that like just the artistry of like setting that up and just the the concept of alice being in the lake it's calm it's serene you know, just kind of like maybe dozing off or staring off into space and you're just like letting yourself mentally relax and unwind from the hell that you just escaped from 
and then having this like whatever the fuck that thing is jump out of the water and grab you <laughs> even if it's not gonna like it's not strong enough to crush your windpipe or anything like this jason is it's like elements i would take from from both to create like a composite in my mind yeah that's a that's a great point like i will say that like it like the original is a perfect setup and payoff but maybe i'm just like i've seen it so many times that it never like gets me but like when i i rewatched the 2009 one i granted it's been a while since i've seen it so I completely forgot that there was a jump scare there and it did get me. So mm-hmm. I did like that. I was like, good on you. Um, I will say I'm also kind of looking at that Marcus's IMBD and he did a lot of, a lot of music videos, which is it that crazy? Cause that's a lot of like filmmakers yeah. got their start, but um, he did the spider web video for no doubt. So there's a cool little bit of trivia. <laughs> um, and uh did a lot of stuff for a lot of um various uh artists like share um billy joel bush um, bush i could it's, i see him doing a video for bush for sure yeah it's like pretty eclectic but yeah i i will say that like both films i will say didn't bore me as as much as like some of them were very uneven to various degrees like I never like actively hated my experience watching it, which doesn't sound like a great endorsement, but like, <laughs> it's not nothing though. Don't, yeah, don't get us like, wrong. Um, And I know like the 2009 film has a ton of fans and I will concede that there are things that I like about it. I just don't know if like it all kind of gels together. Um, It's very patchwork. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's like, an, if you don't like this, maybe, like, step out for a smoke and come back in, like, 10 minutes and, like, <laughs> you'll like this part next. Yeah. Kind of thing. Which is which is kind of funny because I, I really like the Texas Chainsaw remake. Like, I think it's not, like, it's nowhere near, like, the original, but I, I like the style. I like how grimy and gritty and, like, sun-baked and pretty nasty it is um like i think that's a more consistent movie than this um i'm gonna be the detractor on this one because (laughs) of the two remakes that i guess marcus nispel directed since he did both of them uh i prefer this one uh and i did not really enjoy the texas chainsaw massacre remake Mm, okay the sequel to it's better yeah i did remember you not liking this or the remake of of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which it is by no means perfect, but I definitely like think he nailed that at least tone. And I know you'll, I think you'll agree with me on this. Like the closest match to the original was um, um, next gen or return of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that movie rolls that movie really got the humor and satirical edge that Toby Hooper had um, better than any other like sequel or remake or anything. I think most of that's attributable to Kim Hankel kind of having creative control over a lot of things. 
It's like he's, <clears throat> uh, except for the the one that he directed, uh, Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Um, he has at least served as a producer or an executive producer in some capacity. Even the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like he had something to do with that one too. Which, um, bringing it back to Night Court, had John Larroquette. Uh, he did mm-hmm. the narration for the original our... and the remake. Um, and We're, it's, uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> We're making it happen. All like all of these worlds are colliding. Uh, it, it needs to happen. Um, in the mid to 2010s, say, um, I discovered this TV show that had since been canceled and is now about to come back. Um, the show in question was Party Down, and mm. I cannot stress enough. And this is going to seem like kind of left out of left field, but um. Party Down is one of the funniest, like situational comedies from a like a premium cable channel. I think it was Stars. It's just like a catering company, and all these these kids are working in it, and none of them want to do that for business, ex- except for the um, the boss. Uh, and one of these kids is, um. Let's say he's kind of relatively good looking. He's like blonde, blonde hair, kind of looks vaguely emo-ish. This is around the same time that like that look was very popular and as such was in 2009 earlier. And his character is an actor who is trying to, you know, audition for all these roles and a lot of other people uh, who work for said catering company. Uh, are also trying to get their way into the entertainment industry. Like you get a scriptwriter, some actors, you get a comedian, someone who's worked in commercials before. Um, and this character is played by the actor Ryan Hansen, who actually stars in the Friday the 13th remake, looking exactly as he does in <laughs> Party Down. I said you might not totally suck. That's all you got? Really? To sweet talk me out of the stack of 20s in my wallet? That's it? Dude, you're a terrible actor. That's horrible. Look who's <laughs> fucking talking. What? You're not even an actor. You're a haircut. What does that okay? even mean? You know the difference between you and James Vanderbeek's Dude, parrot? No, I'm... The parrot can deliver a line. Whatever high school drama coach filled the void between your ears with big ideas probably just wanted to give Lil Kyle a couple tugs. He had no idea who's creating a monster. Fucking can't act creature from the no talent lagoon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was. I was just. I was just fucking with you. Shut the fuck up, man. I'm probably just jealous. You know that you might get a part in that movie. So I, I didn't. I didn't mean it. Ah! <laughs> just a haircut, huh? Fuck you, bitch. You just took the master class. Boom. <laughs> Good one. And it's not something that took me out of the movie, but being familiar with this character, um, I immediately wrote this into my head as a movie that is connected to the Party Down universe. Okay. Where he finally lands that role. And then you see him and then that's when you get to cheer for him. Ow! 
you, bitch. You just took the master class. Boom. I don't know. The, the, just that extra little angle to it, I think, makes it a little bit more fun because uh, as interesting as this remake is in terms of the creative choices that are made, good and bad, um, this kind of adds a little... Um, a little humor and spice to it. Uh, so as, as a recommendation, I would, I would say anyone who has not seen party down, watch every season uh, and watch Friday the 13th, 2009 again. <laughs> and you will know what I mean. Uh, I would have, I, it would be great if we got some sort of like um, reference or mention of this in any way uh in the the new season that's coming out um next month which is really yeah. soon so um we're probably not but it's it's a nice little thing that i like to think about yeah um these are two i mean again i'll just say i didn't hate watching either one of these like if i had to pick one i would say Oh, gosh, that's hard. <laughs> Come um, on, it's just like one of your children. Which one are you going to kill? Um, this should be easy. <laughs> <laughs> just round them both. No, I'm just kidding. Well, um, um, if it makes the decision any easier, uh, just know that the writers for the 2009 remake are two of the three writers who also wrote Freddy vs. Jason. Oh wow! Okay. So it's um, it's more like which of my projects did you like more, Dad? If I'm being completely honest, um, like if I'm if there's one that I'm gonna revisit again, it probably would be Freddy versus Jason, just because it's a little more over the top, it's mm-hmm. a little more fun. Um, it kind of again it it face plants but it it does it in such an interesting i don't know if i want to say interesting way but like it definitely takes some big swings um some of them work some of them don't but it's still kind of fascinating to watch so um yeah i would probably say freddy versus jason for me out of the two yeah um i'm with you on that one which is it's really too bad because the 2009 Platinum Dunes remake could have been something a little bit meatier to chew on, but I think there were there were like two different minds at play here. Somewhat like one one approach that wanted to be as vapid as the um, 80s sequels were, but those had like an un, unintended side effect of having this notoriety uh, attached to it, especially with like the legendary cuts that the MPAA um, imposed on them. And like that footage is gone forever. Like we're never going to see those extended kills or like gore effects that people worked so hard on. Um, but it's almost like an, the attitude comes across as like a pseudotronic um way of thinking of filmmaking for for a horror franchise and by pseudotronic i mean like 
when you take something so genre specific as like horror, science fiction, fantasy, uh, anything that's like decidedly not like maybe an awards contender or like a drama film or something that's meant to be taken um, seriously, but something that tells the audience that they know they're making something that's less than um, a lot of people would attribute like the films of trauma uh, to that relegation of pseudotronic, but um, that paired with what they were trying to do for the character of Jason that was so earnest and so um, really interestingly well thought out that it just didn't get the appropriate amount of attention to really develop and blossom to make us to make the movie feel as meaty as it was trying to be um this really betrays the other side of it we're like yes there are friday the 13th movies that have like this tongue-in-cheek campiness to it but none of that was intentionally so um they were I mean, honestly, <clears throat> what they were trying to do was make money off of the franchise. So they just repeated the same formula over and over again. But they didn't quite take the approach that um, was necessarily required to not make this a film that people should take seriously, but something with a little bit more thought behind it than just... Let's get this money and go on spring break, as Alien says in Spring Breakers. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the 2009 remake also made me laugh the hardest out loud the first time I saw it. And like, I got to mention it here. There's a sex scene, of course, in the 2009 remake that um, it's mid-coitus. This character named Trent is like, you know, let's say he's going to town and um, <laughs> he he says one of the dumbest things during sex that does not ruin the moment. And that is your tits are stupendous. That was, that was the moment that I was like, okay, this, <laughs> this is a point of no return. And um, I can't think of this in like the more serious tone that they're trying to convince me of. There's too many things going on here. So you just have to let those stupendous tits guide you into into <laughs> camp. But that's the problem where um the camp isn't all there. It's it's a half-baked camp. So yeah. when it's there, it's glorious, but there's really not that much of it. So between the two, honestly, like I'm I'm gonna dump the 2009 one yeah um that's a really great point too it's like i i feel like you're absolutely right like they never like there's humor uh you know i, I there's definitely some tongue-in-cheek humor in the in the remake but it's like they're so self-conscious of like fully committing to it even though there is like some absurd shit um yeah and like stupid as hell lines and stuff um i mean it's such a shame because i feel like there's a lot of like interesting yeah like even like good even interesting things about the remake it's it's all half measures it's like nothing's ever like fully 
committed like it has a it has a really interesting style but it really has no soul like it just feels very like i don't think it feels cynical but i feel like it still just feels like hollow there's just something missing where like y'all had the funds and you know you could have picked any writer you you wanted to you could have made such an epic remake that like everybody wanted paramount gave them the whole sandbox they they could do whatever they wanted um and that included the title the characters uh anything that happened in between the first film and the 10th film yeah uh i understand the need to pay homage that's that's respectable that's understandable I think that might have bogged them down in this case. I know I've said this a thousand times, but like the first three, like 23 minutes of the movie is amazing. Like it, it just has so much energy and love, but then that just kind of drops off and it never really feels like it reaches that heights, like that specific height again. Let, let's not forget to like in that first 20, 30 minutes or so, um, we do see Pamela Borges, uh, played by Nana Visitor, who is, um, if anyone, I mentioned Star Trek earlier, if anyone uh, is a fan at all of uh, Deep Space Nine, aka the best Star Trek series, um, <laughs> they would know that she plays a very major character, and there's a pun intended there because she plays Major Kira, um, and honestly, I would have much preferred to see more Nana Visitor um, as Pamela Voorhees, maybe not in the capacity of like the flashback or like uh, like a lead up to how Jason got to who he is at in present day 2009. Uh, but if there was some kind of way that they could have been uh, used how his mother was used against him in Freddy versus Jason, which uh, these guys wrote they could have just done the same thing and it would have worked better so what do you think of this series um i'm really excited um i believe it's going to be like a like a like a straight up prequel um mm-hmm. i um i know you're a comic book person did you read any of like the um like the this um, was it a st- um, I'm trying to think if it was like a it was like a limited series maybe or maybe just a one-off like a one-shot but there was a really excellent like Pamela Voorhees uh, comic that I, I really liked um, I actually haven't haven't heard of that um, yeah if um, like if you can find it I think I feel like it's probably not hard to find um, I think it's like only a couple issue issues or whatever but it really like dives into like her um history like who's jason's father like how he was like an abusive asshole and she kills him and like it it really just brings her character to life and like again i just kind of want to see more of that like i just i i feel like maybe they're like we're finally at a point where like we can do like a series like that where like Jason necessarily like, isn't like the main boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause it's all like, 
his his mother's um imposing nature really like if anything um a lot of people say that friday the 13th is largely a halloween ripoff and i get that to some extent but that's only really in terms of like the use of masks and the rules of like the slasher but i really kind of see it more of a um like a spiritual a reiteration reinterpretation of psycho for me um and the mother and son dynamic is really what's at the heart of it all even if like for the majority of a lot of these friday the 13th movies uh it may not seem like it very much except for parts one and two and three because three starts with a close-up of like the decapitated mom's head Mm -hmm. and then it hits the disco theme um but then uh yeah it's that whole underlying theme um i don't think is mined as exploitatively as it could be um but respectively so like there's something not like sacred about it but there's there's something a little bit more uh respectable about how that is a known undertone and the filmmakers as well as the audience have the same amount of respect for the relationship between jason and his mother that um well that jason has with his mother where it's like that's the one thing that everyone can kind of get to the same terms on is uh that that deep connection between him and his mother um you're totally right they never really um explore in some of like the newer stuff like i mean i guess like i did like how pamela makes uh a pretty prominent although like very brief kind of appearance in both of those films but like yeah i'm i'm like ready for like a solo thing with her as a character and like this dynamic like it kind of gives me like bates motel sort of vibes yeah that's what i'm thinking too you know when when brian fuller's on something he's uh yeah he Um, he knows where to take it i he would be somebody that would be like a dream interview like i would love to like pick his brain about that about hannibal like voyager I want to talk Voyager with him, specifically Borg Voyager. So um, to end this on a positive note before I like, I'm sorry, y'all had to hear me cough inter interspersingly, but I am still getting over like a cold, which sucks. Um, But, you know, I like talking all this crazy shit, uh, even if it is kind of shit to end on a positive note uh like i said none of none of these movies bored me like and that's like to me like the cardinal cinema movie is like don't fucking bore me even if it's dumb as hell just be entertaining like just give me something yeah just own it just just <laughs> take it run with it don't be afraid it's fine you can be stupid and fun and entertaining yeah you don't have to be thoughtful at any point <laughs> i think that's it for this episode i hope y'all had a fun time listening to us ramble about the movies uh sprinkle with some trivia that you probably all like i'm sure the diehard fans already knew but anyways um i had fun i hope you all had fun listening to it um but before i sign off uh where can the good folks find you 
Um, you can find me on Twitter as of right now, um, and Letterboxed, and my blog Celluloid Consume at medium.com, um, as well as Geek Vibes Nation for uh, various reviews here and there. You can also find me on the Humanoids from the Deep Dive podcast, where we talk monsters and philosophy and um, a lot more deeper stuff. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes deeper stuff, <laughs> sometimes not, sometimes decidedly so. Um, but for for Twitter, it's going to be the handle at Demoni Disco, and the letterboxed handle is Hamburger Harry. I, I would also throw in there. Um, there is a user on Twitter as of right now still that they're still going at it. It's the Pamela Voorhees account. And mm. you, if you haven't experienced this account, um, I would take advantage of it before Twitter explodes. They are, they always tweet in character. Uh, there's oh, also nice. a crazy Ralph um, Twitter account, uh, which they sometimes do a little back and forth, which is fun. Nice. I love that. But uh, yeah, so uh, I am also on Twitter for now um, at Strange Cinema 65. Um, that's where you can find all my ramblings, um, rants. Uh, it's not that ranty. Um, like I, I just like post my um, articles, my videos, mm -hmm. um, uh, my letterboxed. Uh, if you all are on that, I'm Kubrick 655321. Um so um i guess that's about it um but um yeah uh definitely consider uh giving this video a like chime in, in the comments like what's your favorite uh friday the 13th film were we absolutely right were we absolutely wrong let us know um i'll probably I mean, we're gonna read the comments but i'm gonna tell you right now i don't care <laughs> 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 yeah. but but we want to know so we, yes um, we do appreciate them so uh chime in <laughs> um and definitely um consider um hitting that subscribe button because uh we do this video um there is plenty of other great content um like i do uh, a lot of interviews um i just did a really cool one that like should be up um in the next couple of days just a little tease there but i uh, you know, a really cool horror director um, who also did a Godzilla film. So just a little tease there. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, we'll see you in the next episode.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.